0: And I'm Tim,
1: And we're just here to cause chaos. chaos.
0: That was our best one, yeah. That was better. Oh, I'm Did really you've... proud of us right now.
1: By the, like, 50th episode, it'll actually be in sync.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Our one-year anniversary, we'll say it at the right time. So, Ellen. Yes, Sam. I hear you have a story for me.
1: I do. And guess what? I'm slowly being dragged into the 21st century, so this time my notes are on my computer.
0: Oh my god. Revolutionary.
1: Yeah, as opposed to a notebook that I leave outside and forget about. I'm
0: so proud of you.
1: (laughs) Maybe one day I'll be a real general Zer, or Millennial, or whatever we are. I don't care. We're
0: Zillennials is what they call us.
1: Yeah. One day I will be a real one of those. Till then. We're here to talk about Gloria Steinem. Awesome. I know, right? (laughs) Now, if you don't know who Gloria Steinem
0: is, which, Sam, you should, but- I, like, know who she is, but I can't tell you much about her. Like, I, I know, like, the gist. She is a nationally
1: recognized leader and spokesperson of Second Wave Feminism which was, you know, the feminism mainly from the 60s to the 70s. This was focused on, like, more general issues of equality, whereas first wave feminism was just, like, get the vote. This one was more like, hey, maybe we should, you know, have jobs and be paid a fair amount for them. It was third wave that did all
0: the broad burning, right?
1: Uh, It might have been second wave. Some of the main topics of second wave feminism were, like, sexuality, family, workplace, reproductive rights, de facto inequalities, and official legal inequalities. So, you know... That as fun someone stuff.
0: who hasn't put on an underwire in two years i am very pro all of that <laughs> yes yeah, yes as
1: struggling. someone who still has to wear an underwire so i don't you know fall down the stairs still so pro that give myself a black eye it'd be terrible what, what? <laughs> never mind so Gloria Steinem. She was born on March 25th, 1934, in Toledo, Ohio, and she was the daughter of Ruth and Leo Steinem. She is also still alive, which of course means that I will be bothering her by emailing her website this podcast.
0: Oh, yeah, maybe she wants to do (laughs) it. See how that goes.
1: Her mother was not Jewish, but her dad was. Which, like, technically she isn't Jewish, but, you know, we'll give her a pass. So before she was born, Ruth had a nervous breakdown and became severely mentally ill. So, like, not great. Not Not great. No. This did not help the marriage, and her parents divorced when she was 10, uh, so we're in 1944
0: leaving Gloria to take care of her
1: mentally ill mom.
0: I mean, divorce in the 1940s is like a little progressive. Yeah. I mean, it's, he, the guy shouldn't have ditched his mentally ill wife, but still. I was kind of just stunned that they left the
1: 10-year-old child with the mentally unstable mom. I didn't think about that. She's talked a lot about this uh, in the past, and she doesn't blame the dad for uh, the breakup, uh, but definitely watching what her mom had to go through. Like, really cemented her understanding of social injustices. Like, her mom couldn't hold a job. Uh, not, only because, not only because, like, the mental uh, problems, but also because of just, like, the inherent dislike of women in the workplace. The doctors were apathetic, which is a problem that, of course, has been completely solved and is no longer relevant, she said sarcastically.
0: <laughs> that was me growling.
1: Thank you, Sam. <laughs> I don't know if you should make that noise again,
0: but okay. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> This bit
1: comes from Gloria Steinem, a biography by Patricia Marcello. So, you know, setting sources. sources. I know, right? It makes me feel so official. Later, her sister, Suzanne Steinem, helped take care of, the, of her mom. Well, Gloria went to Smith College, which is this, like, all-girls uh, college up in New England. It's a good school. Where she graduated magna cum laude, Laudan and Phi Beta Kappa. So, 1957, that's where we're at now, Gloria Steinem is 22. This is another big step in her journey towards, you know, becoming a full-on feminist. She had an illegal abortion performed by a man named Dr. John Sharp uh, from London. Gasp! Yes, you know, abortion is still a hot topic now, somehow, but (laughs) remarkably it was even worse back in the late
0: 50s. I (laughs) mean, yeah. So is this before or after when Dirty Dancing was set? When was Dirty Dancing set? I don't know, but I'm about to Google it because like half the plot of that movie is an illegal abortion. <laughs>
1: okay. I should watch that movie. So anyway, so it was performed by this man named Dr. John Sharp. And... 1963. Oh, so it was before. So yeah, not a fun time to be pregnant and not want to be. No. So the doctor said, you must promise me two things. First, you will not tell anyone my name, and second, you will do what you want to do with your life. Didn't you just tell me his name? Yeah, so (laughs) she also, like, dedicated one of her book, My Life on the Road, to him. Did she ask him first? Is he, like, cool with it now? I have not gotten confirmation on that, but we're gonna assume he's cool with it. Okay. I don't know what the statute of limitations for illegal abortions is. So it's probably fine. Anyway, this was like really big in her, you know, journey to feminism because she was like, man, this is a bit unjust. So she got a got the Chester Bowles Asian Fellowship, which let her spend two years in India. That was another like interesting thing with the whole abortion was she was like, hi, doctor, you don't know me, but I'm going to India and I need this to dealt with. Uh, and he's just like, okay you know cool dude but while she was there she was inspired by the grassroots activism that had taken place there and you know there was still the legacy of gandhi all that good stuff
0: nice nice
1: now we are at the late 1950s she's back from india she got back to the united states where she serves as the director of this thing called the independent research service which was like this organization that was funded in secret by like an anonymous donor the anonymous donor turned out to be the CIA. Oh. Yeah. It's unclear how much of this she was, like, aware of. She, I think she was, like, they f- she figured it out, like, relatively soon. I don't know. It's kind of unclear, and it's probably not supposed to be unclear because, you know, the CIA. Yeah. Uh, but that comes back to bite her later on. <laughs> Just, you know. Casual. Yeah. So by this point, she's a journalist. She's already writing hard-hitting articles. For instance, she was already writing articles about, like, career and marriage and contraceptives in 1962, which is a year before The Feminine Mystique by Betty Friedman came out, which is another book I still need to read. Am I supposed to know what that is? Yes, it was pivotal in second-wave feminism. Okay. So we'll do Betty Friedman another week. Okay. <laughs>
0: I can tell you a lot about like first wave get the vote, but like I I'm kind of once you get out of Victorian era, I'm kinda of out.
1: Yeah, it it sounds like you're most of it's just gonna be you saying and then they burned bras, right? <laughs> you <laughs> know what? I have wanted to burn my bras before, so I mean who hasn't? Just for like, the arson aspect. Honestly,
0: yeah. Yeah, fire. Remember when you like set our apartment on fire? Okay, that
1: didn't happen. It did though. Okay, what are you talking about? Are you talking about the time
0: I accidentally burned your boyfriend's thumb? I'm talking about the time that you, like, started putting stuff into our candles until some of it caught and then, like, overtook the candle and then burned my ex's thumb. Yes! (laughs) Yeah, it was a small fire. It was our dining table. We had (laughs) one table with four seats in this entire apartment and you almost (laughs) burned it. The table
1: was fine.
0: The table was never the same.
1: It was in a glass candle holder, which in glass doesn't burn. I've tried. It does shatter when <laughs> it gets too hot. You weren't there for those times I've shattered glass with fire, so you don't get to say a talk about that.
0: Uh, okay, keep going. <laughs> We're not gonna talk about your fire habits anymore.
1: So, unfortunately, cause you know, Gloria's a woman. So she's largely regulated to women's issues in her journalism career. She even quoted she's quoted saying, When I suggested political stories to the New York uh to the New York Times Sunday magazine, my editor just said something like, Yeah, I don't think of you that way. Which like
0: Wait, she was working for the New York Times. Good for her. Oh I mean, yeah, she was a pretty great journalist. Still a good journalist. Yeah, but she was like young at that at this point. Like that's a great job for someone her age. Well it's also like a magazine, so I don't know how I'm different impressed. that is. I'm
1: impressed. impressed. She's impressive. She's an yeah. impressive person. 1963. We get to her big break. She wrote A Bunny's Tale, also known as I Was a Playboy Bunny by Gloria Steinem. Here's how this went. She works for Huntington Hartford's show magazine where the, the editor was like, hey, do you want to like go uh, investigate what's happening in these playboy clubs? And she was like, I told you I want to do the political hard-hitting stuff. And then he's like, but hear me out. You could fight Hugh Hefner. (laughs) He's like, oh, I do want to fight Hugh Hefner.
0: That sounds like the kind of argument I'd I'd use to get you to go someplace with me.
1: Exactly. (laughs) That worked. So she went over there and she applied and she immediately learned about the horrible work conditions that they go through. So terrible. They put her in this incredibly uh, revealing leotard and they're like, let's just keep pulling it tighter so you can't breathe so that people could really see all the stuff. And uh, they made her take a physical, which doesn't sound too bad. But then she got to the physical and they were like, yeah, just put your feet in the stirrups and we'll go check that out. And she's like, excuse me? Yeah. And the doctor walks into the room and was like, so you want to be a bunny? (laughs) He's like, oh no. What the? i know they would also get demerits uh for like i don't know small things like if the bunny ears were on crooked like that's a demerit and then they would have to pay money like as a result so you know that's not fair oh after all everything else they're going through it's supposed to be quote-unquote classy these playboy clubs so they weren't supposed to date any of the like patrons unless they had a special playboy key in which case they could do whatever they want and that's like low-key prostitution, prostitution? yeah just just a little bit it was like technic- prostitution light technically how this was working was legal but like yeah I don't know so she did this for a couple weeks and then she said alright I have written down every horrible thing that's here she quits uh, she writes this amazing article this expose where she just calls out everything Hugh Hefner does make reforms but like only after he's sued uh, you know <laughs> so not him. out of the goodness of his heart wait but who sued him no Hugh
0: Hefner sued Oh. Yeah. That's less fun. I was hoping the, like, woman banded together to sue him.
1: No. And I don't know if he sued either the magazine or Gloria
0: herself, but I either way. Legally, it's supposed to be the magazine. Yeah. Either way,
1: case. he was not happy. Although, you know, that's on you, man, for running a weird, creepy... Uh, Brothel? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this, like, put her, a, made her a household name, essentially. However, despite, you know, fighting injustice... She couldn't. No one would hire her for a year afterwards because she had been a Playboy bunny. To quote Gloria, she said, "Because I had now, I had now become a bunny, and it didn't matter why." Like you know, well, that's stupid. Yeah, that's like if everyone was calling Nellie Bly actually crazy for the time she, you know, went undercover in an insane asylum. Yeah, but you know that didn't have anything to do with sex, so it wasn't. Oh, that, that- you're right. <laughs> yeah. Once again, sexism
0: comes out. It's strong in this. The sexism is, the sexism is strong in this one.
1: <laughs> so after a few years of having to deal with all this BS, she helps found the New York Magazine, which is like low-key a response to all these sexist experiences so that she has more power over you know stuff she's writing and she can have more political stories. Good for her. Yeah. I've read the New York Magazine before. That's pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. In 1969, she went to kind of love oh no that is the year i mean yeah anyway she went to an abortion speak out by the red Stock oh god this... i wish you
0: had said something before i,
1: <laughs> Where I said oh no sam <laughs> i need more context where'd you think this was going i don't know i thought she might have gone to woodstock <laughs> she had more important things to do
0: sam Okay, you could. keep talking. <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, Red stockings was a uh, feminist political group. We'll get more into them later. This meeting was pivotal to like showing her the uh, to demonstrating like the connection of women. and it's when she truly became involved in the feminist movement. She had always been, you know, a feminist, but she wasn't like a huge part of the movement till then. Okay. Uh, And it was just like the fact that she wasn't the only one who had gone through this rough experience and who had like struggled and uh, who had like faced opposition at every turn uh, with abortions. Anyway, she wrote uh, some more very impressive articles, including in 1969, where she wrote After Black Power, Women's Liberation, which is another article. She became a feminist leader. By 1970, she campaigned for the Equal Rights Amendment. Uh, which is where they were just going to say men and women are equal and make that an amendment, and instead, they God. decided not to, <laughs> because it was
0: too progressive or something. Oh my goodness! Oh, we could go. Half that. the population is equal; to the other half, what? Mm-hmm. How dare they? I saw a TikTok today. Oh no! <laughs> that was more or less just a woman being like saying all the things that men usually say about women being in power, but, like, with men, and it sounded all ridiculous because it all sounds ridiculous when you say it about women, but it was, Mm -hmm. like, a man staying home with the children. What is wrong with these... Wait, oh, sorry. A woman staying home with children. What is wrong with these career men and like things like that? Oh, wait till um, you get about. A, till I get to
1: her article about if men could menstruate.
0: Oh my god, if men can menstruate, tampons would be free. Yes, this article smacked me in the face. This article sounds like I'm here for it. Please mm-hmm. tell me about it. Are we there yet, or do I need to wait?
1: We're gonna get there. Okay. More stuff has to happen. So she also forms the Women's Actions Alliance in 1971. She forms a lot of organizations, okay? Good for her. She's like fundamental in getting so many of these things off the ground. Imagine having Uh, the patience for that. We barely were able to get a podcast off the ground. (laughs) We've struggled every step of the way. (laughs) So so this organization promotes non-sexist, multiracial children's education. So, you know, that's good. Uh, 1972. She founded Miss M- Ms. magazine, which is an explicitly feminist magazine. She was an editor and writer for 15 years. We support, we stand, we do stand. She also, in on July 10th, 1971, she and other feminists such as Congresswoman Bella Asbug, Congresswoman Shirley Chrisholm. And Betty Friedman formed the National Women's Political Caucus, which is still around today, and may support your local congresswoman. So there was an intra-feminist, uh, there was a fight within the feminist movement later with the Red Stockings. So, to clarify, the Red Stockings are like this radical feminist group. And they get their name from, like, you know, Blue Stockings, which is Southern group, and Red, which, you know, Marxism and all that jazz. So so they were like hey Gloria did you know that you worked for the CIA uh, that the <laughs> independent research service was funded by the CIA and she's like I mean yes but that weren't, they weren't that bad and it was a whole thing uh, so basically they managed to cause like a schism in the feminism movement where people were, there were people who were on their side there were people who were still on Gloria's side
0: so they canceled her before canceling was a thing.
1: Honestly, they tried to cancel her. They were not very successful. Okay. I think they themselves ended up more canceled.
0: Okay. She forms
1: another political action uh, committee called Voters for Choice, which is, you know, pro-choice. Draw some of that from Will. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to get to another great part. In 1978. She wrote... This semi-satirical cosmopolitan article called If Men Could Menstruate. I am so here for this. It. I read this article, and it punched me in the face. I'm uh, so happy. I'm just going to quote from it. Please. So, clearly, menstruation, menstruation would become an enviable, worthy, masculine event. Men would brag about how long and how much. And then she, like imagines like how the world would be different so generals white right-wing politicians and religious fundamentalists would cite menstruation men as proof that only men could serve god and country in combat uh which she has parentheses you have to give blood to take blood oh Uh, yeah
0: um instead of what they currently do which is say that we get irrational for a week every month so we can't be leaders exactly (laughs) Uh,
1: occupy high political office With quote Can women be properly fierce without a monthly Cycle governed by the planet Mars Which you can, can't you just imagine That <laughs> uh, Be priests, Ministers, God himself He gave this blood for Our sins like, like You can so easily imagine I If can. things, yeah And then finally, or rabbis uh, Without a monthly purge of impurities Women are unclean
0: Oh yeah, instead of what rabbis used to do, which was stick all the women who were menstruating into a tent together and not let men see them for a week. <laughs> True story fam. <laughs> I mean,
1: that that's horrible. <laughs> I mean even now there's like the you need to have like Orthodox Jewish women need to have a mikvah in order to cleanse
0: themselves after a period. Yeah. Our old rabbi told me once that she had a, subscri- a yearly subscription to the mikvah so she could go every month. <laughs> and that, oh, also when she started having kids, she canceled it because she was pregnant too often for it to be worth it to have the yearly subscription anymore. <laughs> Just saying. Real conversation I had with our rabbi.
1: <laughs> and she goes to a month-to-month basis. Honestly, reading this article reminded me of when I was reading Mad Adam by Margaret Atwood who wrote The Handmaid's Tale, where there was this part where basically there's, like, this VR, a futuristic VR system, where, you know, you can, like, feel everything and see everything and it's like you're there. And you wanna know how men used it? I don't, but,
0: like, I really, really do.
1: Yeah, so, in the book they used it to, like, simulate his, like, historically reenact beheading women, which, can't you imagine that? Of course they did. Yeah, that would happen. Uh, That's the worst like sci-fi where it's just too too believable.
0: Yeah, I mean, don't you love how like every sci-fi woman's armor is just like a metal bra? (laughs) Who is this man who can weld these perfect bra armors? Like that's not gonna help you in battle, honey. Gotta cover all the soft parts. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can get into, you know, video games of that later, another time.
1: <laughs> so Gloria's also a huge activist. Basically, anything you think she would support, she did. Uh, and basically, you th- anything you think she wouldn't support, she didn't. Huge critic of the Vietnam War. Uh, Makes sense. Yeah, same goes for the Gulf War because both were, you know needless wars that we didn't technically need to get into. Proxy wars with Russia. yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she was strongly in support for Anita Hill during that trial. Good for her. Yes. She even, like, implied that one day Anita Hill would be on the Supreme Court herself. Which, like, uh, isn't gonna happen, but is a yeah, lovely but still. thought. Yeah, Fun fact, she was a huge fan. She's a huge fan of Wonder Woman. Mm, me too. Yeah, Wonder Woman's great. Wonder Woman's great. Should we do an episode on Gal Gadot? I mean, at some point. We'll work on that.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: We can't do an episode about the guy who invented Wonder Woman because he's weird.
0: And a man. And a man, but also weird. We could probably do want to like the history of the Wonder Woman comic, though. Yeah, maybe. Okay, we don't need to plan that episode. <laughs> yeah, she
1: was, uh, you know, so she, she continued her whole activism thing in 1984, she was arrested for protesting apartheid. Also, I keep forgetting how late apartheid was. Oh my god, so late. <laughs> I know. 1984. Like, bro, my mom purchased apartheid. <laughs> Back to the Future was out by then. And they still wouldn't let
0: black people and white people swim in the same swimming pool in South Africa. Oof. I mean, Nelson Mandela lived long enough to, like, hang out with Barack Obama. Mm -hmm. Let's just all sit with that information.
1: (laughs) So she was extremely busy throughout the 90s. Uh, She was the founding president of the Ms. Foundation for Women, a national multiracial, multi-issue fund that supports grassroots projects to empower women and girls. And every single one of those words is great. (laughs) (laughs) She's also... Word in there. She's also the founder of Take Our Daughters to Work Day, which was supposed to like help uh, young girls learn about future potential careers. Yeah,
0: I think I used to go to Take Your Daughter
1: to Work Day when I was little. Yeah, I don't remember it actually being a thing where I live, but sure.
0: <laughs> or my mom just took me to work a lot. One or the other. Uh,
1: well, it got enough recognition that it's the plot of an episode of Arrested Development. Is that just our like qualifier nowadays? Sure. <laughs> if it's a plot of a sitcom I've seen, it's mainstream. Okay. In uh, 1992 she founded Choice USA, which is now URGE, which I am sure stands for something. But this is another nonprofit profit organization uh, that, you know, provides ongoing support to younger generation and lobbies for reproductive choice. So, you know, pro-choice. All Root. that. Yeah, like it's so impressive that she founded all of
0: these organizations. I feel like every ten seconds you're like, she founded this organization. Yeah, but
1: it's also like kind of depressing that she kept having to.
0: Yeah, I mean, she was finding founding organizations for what, like fifty years? I guess that's a long time. She has two movies. Ooh. Uh, So she like
1: produced these movies, uh, and uh, at least narrated the first one. Uh, So 1993, this was, the first one was called Multiple Personalities, The Search for Deadly Memories, which was about child abuse. Fun. Fun topic.
0: Very (laughs) lighthearted.
1: Exactly. Uh, The next one was called Better Off Dead, which examined the parallel forces that both oppose abortion and yet support the death penalty.
0: You ever thought about that?
1: I I have, and it's
0: stupid. It hurts me. What about the parallel forces that oppose abortion but, like, don't support food stamps or everyone gets preschool programs or, like, things like that? Oh, yeah. No. Once you're born, you gotta fend for yourself. Yeah, once you're born, you can starve for all they care. (laughs) Your mom didn't have enough money to have you. Her own fault. Not like she could've done anything about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep, have fun dying in the street.
1: hmm So, when she was 66 years old, 2000, uh, she got married for the first time, so, you know, good for her. Good for her. She married David <laughs> Bale, who is the father of Christian Bale, who is Batman.
0: Oh my god.
1: <laughs> so she is Christian Bale's stepmom. I mean, good for Christian Bale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, got a, you got a winner of a stepmom right there. Yeah, for real unfortunately David Bale died in 2004 but I like to think that she and Christian are still friends I hope that they still have a relationship 2013 Obama awarded her the Presidential Medal of Freedom because she deserved it yeah (laughs) she has won so many awards for journalism so many that the list was like 12 lines long and I said that's a lot of awards and so I wrote down some of them and then I decided (laughs) to stop (laughs) We've <laughs> got Lifetime Achievement in Journalism Award, Society of Writers Award, the James Weldon Johnson Medal for Journalism, you know, that could be. Did job. she
0: ever get a Pulitzer? That's the only award for journalism I know. I don't think she actually got a Pulitzer. Uh, she did win an Emmy. Dang. For what? Uh, that
1: uh, Multiple Personalities Child Abuse movie. Ah, uh-huh, cool. Yeah. Good for her she's still active in like activism 2015 she was with this group called women cross the DMZ where she's like hey well she and a bunch of other women were like hey maybe we should actually end this Korean war <laughs> and they were still like nah
0: <laughs>
1: uh, she was out there uh, as a co-chair and speaker at the women's march of 2017 which I guess means I saw her uh, I don't know I Which was one pretty did
0: you go too. Did you go to the GC one?
1: Yeah. I, to be fair, I was pretty far away from like the front. Yeah. So. I may have seen her on a screen. Also fair. Scarlett Johansson was there, and I was younger
0: and more easily distracted. Fair. I would have been very distracted by Scarlett Johansson in 2017. I mean, She's amazing. Sam, I was also
1: learned some very distressing news during this research.
0: Yes, tell her me.
1: Two quotes that she didn't say only popularized so one of them is she's commonly quoted uh cited for a woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle which is Eleanor Roosevelt said that actually it was Irina Dunn ah so we're both wrong yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) uh another quote she didn't say was if men could get pregnant abortion would be a sacrament which Steinem attributed, herself attributes that to, an old Irish woman taxi driver in Boston.
0: Oh my god, that makes it so much better. I know. What? <laughs> I want to meet an old Irish woman taxi driver in Boston. Just casually dropping truth bombs. Oh my
1: god. <laughs> Imagine how that conversation went where it was just like, where are you guys going? An abortion rally.
0: Ah! You know, if men could get pregnant, (laughs) I love that so much. I don't have words for it (laughs) (laughs) Glorisman's categorized
1: as both a radical and liberal feminist, although That that gets complicated real fast. She's usually called a liberal feminist She herself says that she's a, a radical feminist and then if you ask any more questions, She'll say uh, categorization within feminism is quote, non-constructive to specific problems, which of course she's right. I mean, I agree with her. Yeah, but the gist of the differences is liberal feminism is more like work within the system, radical feminism is a little bit more work without- uh, outside the system.
0: Yeah, I mean if we're going characterization-wise, like you and me don't even land at the same characterization. Yeah, somehow I wound up radicalized, so whoopsie. Girl, you're an you're
1: an (laughs) anarcho-feminist. Well, I mean, the exploitation of workers inherently leads to the exploitation of
0: women. You know? I mean, you're not wrong, but. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm definitely on the liberal feminist, like, not about to burn down the world side. I was actually, like, during this, I was,
1: like, looking at, like, that Red Stockings group, and turns out they're also, like, low-key homophobic so oh that's upsetting yeah so after that i was like oh darn it so not gonna join them anytime soon
0: no i'm sure there's some anarcho feminism group that you can find out there
1: yeah (laughs) keep doing this till someone contacts me
0: yeah then i'll just keep being a woman in stem good job i'm gonna be in stem are you? I'm still not sure what your job is.
1: I'm gonna do coding, probably.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Gloria has written so many books. Here's tell four me about them. it. She wrote a like a biography about Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe. That one. That's in, cool. Yeah, in 1986, uh, she should be on our list of future episodes. <laughs>
0: I really enjoyed the amount of like, future episodes we've just planned during this episode. It's been really helpful. Okay. We should also yeah, probably... the rest of writing is down.
1: Yeah, we should write this down, otherwise we will forget. Yeah, no. As if women matter, the essential Gloria Steinem reader. So that's fun. That's- I want to read that, actually.
0: That sounds like something I get you for your birthday. Oh, great. In a year. <laughs> so I just got you a knife bracelet, so-
1: Oh, wait, wait, I do remember
0: that. Okay. Sorry, we were talking
1: about knives earlier today.
0: We have both picked out the knives we're going to get once we have a Patreon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, please support us and give us money so we can buy knives. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, hey Sam, you know what's a great mattress?
0: (sighs) Tell me, Ellen.
1: (laughs) You know, Casper Mattress. (laughs) (laughs) You go on their website, you can buy. A mattress.
0: <laughs> really? Is that what you can get at the mattress website? Is a mattress?
1: Yeah, and it'll come to you through the mail in a box and then it expands. Ooh. Sounds fancy.
0: Yeah. Anyway, back no, to... <laughs> actually, Jenna just got a Casper mattress, one of my sisters, and I, like, helped her get it out of the box and it was pretty fun, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Does it expand in, like, slow motion? We had to, like, let it sit for a few hours before we could, like, do anything with it so it could, like... Make... <laughs> I'm making a hand motion that's not helpful because this is an audio podcast.
1: Great. <laughs> anyway, she wrote an autobiography called My Life on the Road in 2015. She also wrote a book that the title is one of her quotes. The truth will set you free, but first it will piss you off. I mean, Yeah. Yeah. That was also in 2015, and that is an iconic line. You're now going to just get into me saying quotes in Rapid Fire, because I couldn't find where to put these, and they're great. I mean, I did the same
0: thing last week, so I'm just going to be here reacting to your quotes. Let's go. (laughs) Any woman
1: who chooses to behave like a full human being should be warned that the armies of the status quo will treat her as something of a dirty joke. That's their natural and first weapon. She will
0: need her sisterhood. I mean, she's right. She's totally right. I I know. Basically. Or you send them (laughs) to Nikon.
1: Uh, we are the women our parents warned us against and we are proud. (laughs) I know. That has some real we are the granddaughters of the witches you couldn't (laughs) you weren't able to burn energy.
0: Oh my god, that was like my bio on some on like Tumblr for like a year.
1: Maybe I'll make that my Instagram bio. So we are the women our parents warned
0: us against. Then you might actually have to use your Instagram.
1: Ew. We will never solve the feminization of power until we solve the masculinity of wealth. And I'm not gonna say that's some anarcho-feminist stuff, but, you know, draw, from, draw your own conclusions. Gloria would support me.
0: She would. I'm sure she does. I support you, Ellen. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're my zucchini, don't worry.
1: Aww. <laughs> I'm, yeah, not I'm not explain gonna explain what zucchini means. <laughs> I also refuse to explain that. <laughs> <laughs> There's a biographical film about her called The Glorias. Yep.
0: Is there more than one Gloria?
1: So, came out in 2020, and in the movie she's represented by four actresses who portray her at various ages. I think I actually saw this. I need to see this now. You Julian. can
0: watch it at Bridgerton. But like... we're never gonna finish
1: Bridgerton. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and that's a very different energy. True. <laughs> so, you know, Julianne Moore, Alicia Vikander, Lulu Wilson, Ryan Kier- Kiera. Uh I'm sure these are famous. Oh, Kiera Armstrong. I'm sure these are famous actresses, but I don't
0: know. Fair. Also, for context, me and Ellen have been Insisting on watching Bridgerton together, but we also don't have similar free times very often and we reserve a lot of our similar free time for this podcast and therefore have taken about two months to watch four episodes. (laughs) I just want to finish the show. My brother-in-law makes so much fun of us. (laughs) (laughs) He would. Because they watched it in like one day.
1: (laughs) You know what? Tell your brother-in-law that he should watch Meerkat Manor because that's the real
0: quality television. I told my whole family that, and they're <laughs> low-key concerned. <laughs> Why
1: do it <laughs> eventually? Also, in 2020, she was portrayed by Rose Byrne, who I'm sure is also a
0: famous
1: actress. She is very actress. famous. Do you really
0: not know who Rose Byrne is? I'm about to send you a picture. Oh, God,
1: I'm sure I recognize her face Uh, in the miniseries Mrs. America, which, you know, talks about that movement to ratify the Equal Rights Amendment. My mom loved that show.
0: (laughs) I did not watch it, but my mom loved it.
1: (laughs) Maybe that's what I should tell my mom to watch. So she'll stop watching, you know, shows about animals. And that is pretty much it. She is an icon. I will be bothering her with this podcast.
0: I I just snapchatted you a picture of Rose Byrne.
1: Okay, I'm excited. Let me- Oh yeah, she is famous.
0: I like let slide that you didn't know who Julianne Moore is, but like Rose Byrne I couldn't let slide.
1: I think I know who Julianne Moore is. She has reddish hair. (laughs) No, who am I thinking of? I
0: don't know, that's so unhelpful. (laughs) (laughs) It's curly? She's white? I mean, yeah, she's white. She does have red hair. I mean, fair. But move
1: on. move on. (laughs) So, Sam, what is your hyperfixation that you've refused to tell tell me about, and has since left me terrified?
0: Yes, I really wanted to have Ellen's reaction to this on recording. (laughs) Um, What did (laughs) you do? Okay, Ellen. Do you believe in ghosts?
1: Oh no. Not really, but I do watch a lot of TV shows about them.
0: Okay, so I've been listening to a podcast called And That's Why We Drink, like a little bit too much lately, like an amount that it's been impacting my ability to sit in a room by myself. Um, It's a crime podcast also, but a large part of it is paranormal-based. And they talk a lot about these things called spirit boxes. And I started wondering, as the engineer that I am, How spirit boxes work because I was curious. So I literally we talked about this last week. I know, but I like wanted more information. Oh, okay. So I went online and I looked up how spirit boxes work, and I ended up going on like a journey of the various pieces of equipment they use to. So we can't go ghost hunting. Well, I know a lot about the technology surrounding ghost hunting now, and I'm gonna tell you about oh, it. No, this will
1: make my next episode of Buzzfeed Unsolved
0: more interesting, I guess. Okay, so when you look up like the logistics of spirit uh, of ghost hunting technology, the first couple things that come up are all like the broken technology behind ghost hunting and like various articles that are like clearly not here for ghost hunting. So no. um, like most of the first couple articles called it like a pseudoscience and like I talked about the fallibility of human perception, which like <laughs> lame. But I did learn that those EMF readers. Um, so an EMF reader is they detect electromagnetic fields or like uh, radiation that surrounds you in the area. And it's believed that, like, when ghosts are around you, they impact the electromagnetic fields that are around you and therefore, like, would come up on an EMF reader. And so the ones that they use for ghost hunting specifically, though, are lower end ones because the higher end ones, like, are calibrated too well to pick up the small nuances that (gasps) ghosts create and so like a lot of these like skeptical articles talked more about uh how the (laughs) these like lower end emf readers that they use for ghost hunting can be set off by like a cell phone or a cell phone battery or like a walkie talkie um but
1: so you're telling me we should only go ghost hunting without any form of outside contact
0: Yes. Okay.
1: Just just so we're clear.
0: Mm-hmm. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Uh, if you want to use an EMF reader because these like low end ones that ghost hunters usually use like the one that the people on the ghost hunters TV show use is this K2 meter that's sold by uh K2 Enterprises who are the same people who make like those collars that shock dogs when they like go off your property. Um just fun Great. fact. Great. <laughs> um, but Reputable source. Yeah. So they make these EMF readers that Ghost Hunters use, and <laughs> this, these people who made this Atlantic article took them and literally found out that, like, a cell phone battery or uh, a FMAM radio, like, both set them off, so... <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious because ghost boxes run on FMAM frequencies, which means that if you have a ghost box and an EMF reader in the same room, that the ghost box might be sending off the EMF reader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of the technology behind EMFs is that usually what they're using is low end EMF readers that don't filter out all of the like signals. Great. Which, yeah. It's great. <laughs> but, then I also learned a bit about ghost boxes, and the way a ghost box works I found very interesting. I also found an article that gave me the statistics of spirit boxes, which meant that I found the math behind ghost busting, which <gasps> what made my day a little bit.
1: You're gonna ruin every episode
0: of BuzzFeed Unsolved I watch now. <laughs> so... Well, the way Spirit Boxes works is they scan AMF frequencies most about uh, five radio frequencies a second or like a radio frequency every fifth of a second. And so I found this like blog, honestly, that ran the math of how likely it was to get a certain phrase out of just like random frequencies when you're only listening to each frequency for a fifth of a second. And they found that it's actually like pretty... Like, it's not likely, but it's not absurd to find, like, it's a statistically significant possibility that you'll find one word. BuzzFeed Unsolved was the example they used, actually. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> they found that there is a less than 0.01% probability of getting three words in a row, which is, like, usually what the amount that they need to, like, call, say the spirit box is talking to them. And so... It's actually statistically significantly impossible to get three words in a row. They said for it to happen you'd have to continuously listen for two hundred-ish days. Which means that all those times that um what's their faces from BuzzFeed Unsolved got- You're three... saying
1: Shane and Ryan have found actual ghosts? I'm
0: saying that based on the statistics of <laughs> um ghost boxes, it is not impossible they actually found ghosts. <laughs> Oh god. <laughs> oh, don't even get me started on EVP's. <laughs> so, an EVP is an electric voice projection. I yeah, electric voice projection, which is when you pretty much set a tape recorder in a room and you ask a bunch of questions to the air and you listen back to the tape later and you listen for like other voices being picked up on the tape recorder. And for the most part whenever people find this, it's like muffled. It's like Sounds like someone's talking behind, like with their hand over their mouth behind a blanket, like, it's not clear audio, (laughs) most of the time. I found this study that someone did of figuring out whether or not a group of people would all hear an EMF as the same thing. And so they showed this like test group, different audio clips, and they asked them what it was saying or whether or not it was saying anything. And so they showed them like white noise muffled speech and clear speech and pretty much everyone agreed the clear speech was saying the same thing no, and like if you t- everyone who didn't know that this was a paranormal related thing agreed that the white noise was not white noise but if you asked but if you told them that you thought there was possibly a ghost speaking then a lot of people heard a voice in the white noise the placebo effect is strong yeah have the you pe- seen
1: the green needle brainstorm no Basically, it's like they took this bad Ben 10 toy and it says brainstorm, but like the lights are flashing, there's like three little lights, so people would look at it and they wouldn't be able to hear that word, so they would instead hear a three-syllable phrase, which they heard as green needle, and it became oh. a, th- yeah, so now you can hear it both ways, actually, if you just think it's about like it It's like that
0: Yanny thing from a few years ago
1: yeah except you can't see the hear that both ways so it's less interesting
0: yeah but apparently if you're told that there's that this is a paranormal related event then there's an 18 percent higher chance that you will respond that there's a voice in the white noise so that's why the skeptic never hears anything but the believer does yeah <laughs> So this article is another one of those skeptical ones, because apparently when you look up how the technology behind ghost hunting works, all you get is skeptics. <laughs> Just a bunch of killjoys. <laughs> yeah. But this article talks a lot about pareidolia, which is the idea that people are more likely to perceive human characteristics in like inanimate objects or non-human things. It's like when those when people say that they see Jesus in toast, like that's pareidolia. Cool. Um. <laughs> And so, this talked a lot about how, like, if you're listening for a voice, you're gonna hear a voice because we are all very, like, tuned to accept human-related things like that. It's almost like that was an evolutionary advantage. Yeah, yeah. So, that's my fun, (laughs) that's the rabbit hole I went down as I listened to too much Paranormal Podcast, and then wanted to figure out how the technology behind Paranormal Investigation worked, and was honestly, like, a little disappointed Except we found
1: out that the BuzzFeed Unsolved Boys found ghosts.
0: Statistically, it's a probability. (laughs) That is all I will give to that. I guess that's a fun fact. I mean, this is also, this is done by someone on Medium.com, so like... Oh, the most reputable
1: of sources. Yeah. (laughs) Alright, well, I think we've covered the... Run the Gambit of... (laughs) Gloria Steinem and Ghost Hunting. The tech behind ghost hunting. Of course, I apologize.
0: Can we go can we go stay in a haunted house?
1: I mean sure. Can you find me a haunted house?
0: I bet there's one in Wisconsin.
1: Okay. Well you no, know, that was what we were gonna do for my cancelled 21st birthday party. Because we were going to do a ghost tour drinking game.
0: Yeah, I know. I planned it. <laughs> We were gonna go to Savannah and we were gonna go on the ghost tour and get too drunk, and it was gonna be so much fun. <laughs> and I still haven't been to Savannah. <laughs> we'll find
1: a different haunted house.
0: We're going for your bachelor party now. Oh no. This is <laughs> assuming that you at some point find a significant other, but.
1: No, yeah, don't put this pressure on me. <laughs> <laughs> and I have well, to I get married.
0: You- I don't think my sisters would wanna go on a haunted ghost tour for my bachelorette party, but I could definitely peer pressure your sister into doing it. So
1: she would have fun, especially if, <laughs> especially if it was any way related to Mothman.
0: Ah uh, yes, Allison and her Mothman. Mm-hmm. One day we'll do a Mothman episode, and Allison will come on.
1: Mm-hmm. And she'll be mortified the whole time. Completely mortified. <laughs> <laughs> I told her to tell her friends about the podcast, and I think she just said no.
0: (laughs) See, on the other hand, my sister said that she would make her employees' performance evaluations contingent on them listening to my podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if she was being serious or not, but I'm going to pretend like she was.
1: It doesn't sound legal, but I support it. (laughs) We've definitely accomplished something here.
0: You're supposed to ask me what I learned.
1: Sam, what did you learn today?
0: I learned about Gloria Steinem, who was an icon. Um, I learned a lot about second wave feminism, which I think I kind of just knew a lot about first and third. I'm, I skipped that middle wave.
1: <laughs> How second wave feminism is the interesting one. Like first wave is like, yeah, maybe women should vote.
0: Yeah, but first wave but feminism happened a lot in England. And I really was into that like late Victorian industrial revolution England for a while.
1: Ugh, you're such a nerd. (laughs) No comment. Alright, and I learned that ghosts are definitely real, so. (laughs)
0: That's what I'm drawing away from this. I'm glad. I learned we're going to haunted house next time we hang out. Absolutely.
1: One more time. Mattresses. If you need one, buy one.
0: (laughs) Okay, I'm going to plug us now. Okay, you can follow us on Instagram at Chaos Podcast. You can listen to us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. I worked very hard for all of those, I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. <laughs> if you have an episode idea or any comments for us, or you just wanna like say hey, our email is chaospodcast21 at gmail.com. And thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the chaos safe travels